Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, uh, this is Inside Alberta. I'm Don Braden. I'm here with Chris Varco, political uh, business columnist with Herald. I'm sort of the political columnist. Well, we've had a week for sure. We've had both a federal election and the most consequential budget we've seen in Alberta in many, many years. Action-packed, Don. It's been uh, an action-packed week. No, no kidding. There's rarely been one like it. The budget is extremely controversial, of course, right off the top, because we're talking about uh, cuts of 2.8% in spending over four years, which really amounts to a cut of about 12%, when you add in inflation, assuming 2% per year in real terms, it's a lot bigger than they're trying to present it, in my view, in a way, in real terms. And there's been a, a lot of um, uh, anger and response from the opposition, from many citizens, about cuts in their areas of interest. Uh, but, you know, the UCP looks at it this way, Chris, in my view. They say, well, the fact that we've cut a dollar of, of funding doesn't mean you lose a dollar's worth of service because this is a very inefficient government. That's the whole point of this. They want to take every single department, turn it upside down, shake out the pockets, and and see how they can improve service delivery. It It's a, a job that's been tried before. Other, other conservative governments have tried it. Nobody's ever really succeeded. It takes four years of incredibly concentrated effort and in this climate i'm not sure if any government can stick with that what do you think well it strikes me that the ucp's line here has been that there's 50 billion dollars of spending and the spending has gone up pretty much in a straight line over the last decade and i think what they're really saying is is that you you can't tell people that there's not a single dollar a single penny of government inefficiency and so by putting this this line in the sand, so to speak, in terms of not spending more money and, in fact, spending less, they're basically forcing the, the bureaucracy and the government to find those efficiencies and to find them in the areas that are going to hurt the least. Uh, the, the trick, though, is how, do, how far is too far? I, I spoke exactly. with Jim Dinning this week, the former finance minister, and Ralph Klein, who introduced those cuts that you remember and I remember in the early and mid-1990s. And he said, you know, sometimes you're going to make mistakes. And he cited his own dunderhead decision, that's the way he called it, of cutting kindergarten funding in half in 1994. And his mm. government had to backtrack very shortly thereafter. So he mm. said there's going to be mistakes, but you probably don't know when, when you hit those mistakes until something unexpected happens. And and I think that's what we're going to be watching for here in the next few days and few weeks is, have the cuts gone too far, or even in the few months, and maybe even next year, have the cuts gone too far, and does the government have to somehow make adjustments on yeah, the Yeah, exactly. There's, there's some some that are, like the cut to advanced education, which amounts to, I believe, 12% over four years, and yeah, 5% like this year alone. $147 million dollars oh, this year alone. Wow, that's a lot of money. And these these institutions are, are been, have been growing. They're not used to this kind of uh, dynamic at all. And, of course, the tuitions have been unfrozen. Now, if you look at a chart, the UCP supply, uh, because tuitions have been frozen in this province for almost 10 years, 
the band of payments from sort of self-payments of the university's money they raise themselves, tuition and government money, uh, the, the tuition band is very narrow and the government band is very wide and it's much higher than other provinces. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to put some of this back, but students, kids are going to pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. Just to just to correct myself, it was a $275 million yeah, dollar yeah. cut. Yeah, by lifting that tuition cap, Don, the government said, well, we've had this tuition cap in place for you know more than five years, yeah. and they're saying they're going to allow the universities to increase tuition by up to 7% a year for each of the next three years. Mm-hmm. So that's at least a 21% increase that students could be facing. I mean, that's a big cut. There's other cuts in there as well that you would, uh, that you and I were talking about earlier that are fairly significant and are going to hit people. Well, there's a little whisper of uh, cutting uh uh, drug benefits to seniors, putting in a means test for, for drug payments for seniors, and those kinds of things in the past. Remember when Allison Redford cut out chiropractic? Mm-hmm. I mean, you had people hobbling through the streets saying, you've got to pay for my chiropractor. They, these are the kind of things that can draw a lot of a lot of animosity. But from what I can gather from them so far, they're, they're not backing off. They're very defiant about this. They think they're doing the best thing for Alberta and best thing for the people. You know, the other thing that really strikes me, Don, is as much as we keep talking about, and to sound like a broken record here, but we keep talking about the roller coaster, the royalty roller coaster that Alberta is on, we're still on it. This budget, (laughs) if we're going to balance the books by 2022-2023, we're going to need to see economic growth pick up. We're looking at almost negligible growth this year, around 0.6%. They're projecting that to grow by two to three percent over the next few years but it also is based upon seeing about a 32 percent increase in royalty revenues in those four years period more production and pipelines it is based upon two of the three major pipeline projects going ahead does this sound familiar who does it ever yeah and, and that's that's really i mean they're doing this they say they can balance the budget by 2023 with those projections and what if those projections don't come true well they've already given us to the answer to exactly. that they've already said if those projections don't come true for whatever reason world recession or or low prices or no pipeline we will cut deeper that's what they intend to do and there's a certain point where they start sounding like social credit in 1935 where they literally could not pay their employees that that actually happened in this province they almost went broke right it also but, so we get to a fine line here in in, econo- in economics where economists will say yeah you want to be able to make sure that you can do you know make your credit payments and also keep your credit ratings intact but if you cut too deeply particularly on things like capital and then you're in the middle of a downturn you'll actually make the situation worse so it is a fine line here and and i really do think that they need to see the investment the capital investment pardon me come back from the business community into the housing sector the construction sector the oil and gas sector and they need this economy to get going if they're going to possibly get into that balance scenario chris one of the big points of controversy in the ndp is always pointing it out is that the government's given a big tax break uh, to to industry and but the jobs aren't coming back and just this week we had a whole bunch of layoffs at Husky uh, and uh, do you think it's true that the, the 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 companies are just absorbing this and putting more more on their bottom lines and more for their shareholders and not responding whatever to this so-called much better investment climate this is a complicated <laughs> argument and people want to make it really simple and it's not simple but A lot of the issue that we're going on here, and if we're just talking about the energy industry, is 
they can get better profits right now by having lower by paying lower taxes, and we've seen them book some of those profits. But they're not going to spend it on expansion if there's no point to getting more production, if they can't get it out of Western Canada. It comes back to pipelines. Pipelines are one of the key bottlenecks here, not just on oil and gas, but on investment and on jobs. So I think the companies are waiting to see if we can get egress, if we can get the pipelines built, then it makes sense to grow production, then it makes sense to spend more money, and it makes more sense to drill. But until you get that egress, I think you're going to be in this cautious scenario. And that means that the jobs are not going to come back quickly. And this all comes, of course, in the middle of the days after an incredibly fraught election where the liberal... Uh, the Trudeau Liberals won a won a minority, and the the the, the subsequent uh, uh, this is an election that's almost not over because emotions are still running very high, at least in this you part of the you. world. And I I find you know uh, uh, Prime Minister Elect Trudeau's uh, behavior to be kind of weird. You know he's he's saying oh gosh going to build that pipeline. He did he always de-emphasized that during the campaign. He was talking more about climate change. Going to build a pipeline. Really want to listen to Saskatchewan and Alberta. And I'm just wondering well, why didn't you listen when you had elected four MPs and then you you actually had three right to the end. Um, it, it's a it's a funny kind of thing. It's hard to b- believe that, you know, he's going to suddenly start listening with both ears perked up to Alberta now. And because they've always told me, when talk to these liberal folks, they always told me they really do listen, listen to hard, and they really, really care. Uh, so I don't know how that campaign is going to go. And and, and then the, the goofiest thing of all is this rumor about Nenshi joining the cabinet. Um, I, we talked about this before, but do you see any, any kind of possibility in that at all? Or do you think that's just one of these... If I'm a betting man, I would bet no in in a big way here. Um, I, I'm just not sure. I mean, first of all, there's the mechanism of how do you take a private citizen and put them in cabinet unless they're in the Senate or they're going to run for a seat. Well, how are you going to run for a seat in Alberta and and win as a liberal no right election. now? That's the, the, the and there's no election, so it strikes me it's a much more logical option to look at somebody like. Liberal Senator Grant Mitchell, former Alberta Liberal leader, uh, to join the cabinet than Ad Nancy. However, we've been wrong before. Well, we should do a little little poll here, or maybe even a little pool on who it's going to be. It may be Paula Simons, the brand new senator who is independent, but also quite liberal friendly and, and sort of in the middle on a lot of things. Uh, she has some respect, especially in the North. Uh, Grant Mitchell, I think, would probably not convince anybody because he's been just absolutely down the line with everything Bill C-69, right. Bill C-48, all of that. That's not going to convince anybody. I think he may well come up with somebody, but uh, maybe it's somebody we're not talking about here. I just, I, I think Nietzsche's comments almost sounded like it's something he would consider if he were asked. But, you know, I mean, do you really have to go to the Queen to say, can we put in another right. senator? And the last time somebody tried to pack the Senate, uh, for any reason at all, was Brian Mulroney in 1983. and That didn't work out so well for him in the next election. No, didn't work out so well. He won two seats. <laughs> uh, what do you make, Don, of the whole Wexit and, and separation and separatism talk and Western alienation? Because I've spoken to a number of people in the oil patch, and I have to say, feelings are running really high. Yeah. I am I mean, I think we all know that uh, there's a fair level of angst in the oil patch and in the business community, but I think it's now moved beyond angst and anxiety into into white hot or red hot anger what what is your sense well, of where this, this is, is going this is really uh, important first of all I, I am annoyed at many national media who are now uh, commence sneering at Alberta. 
uh, for having daring to have any of these thoughts because it's so impractical. And there's column after column from the Globe and Mail, from others, just sort of dismissing all of this. But it is real. And there's Jason Kenney, who's being accused of a separatist because of it, saying he wants to go out and have a panel to listen to people and come up with ideas for improving Alberta's role in the Federation. For this, he's instantly condemned for being a, a, a separatist or fomenting separatism. Now, he's doing exactly what Peter Lai did back in 1982. He's trying to keep those people on the truck. He doesn't want separatists forming their own party and because a lot of those people would be leaving his party if they do it. He's got to be as uh, you know almost not exactly the leader of a separatist movement at all right. but the leader of the person who's at least listening uh, the leader of, of, uh, of a government that's at least listening to what these people have to say and maybe some good ideas come out. Maybe there is a referendum on equalization in a couple of years. Maybe it contains a bunch of other ideas for how to improve Alberta's place in the Federation. Because even the people who condemn any thought that a separatist-minded person, and there are many more of them in the center, uh, would have to say, have got to acknowledge there could be a better deal for Alberta and Confederation. But I think he's got to be careful here, because if you're, you know, when you're playing with, uh, with with matches in lighter fluid, guess what happens? Fires start. And so you can talk all you want about getting a better deal, but I think you've got to be careful about n- not making the situation worse. And I think that's going to be the political art here that the premier is going to have to, you know, the fine path he's going to have to walk in the coming weeks and months as he holds these hearings and and lets this play out. And you know what I mean? He's got to go as he's got to get ahead of the parade, not be behind well, it. Well, true, but he's he's also said time and again that he's not a separatist. Right. And it's he is his reasons are practical. He said, "What's the point of responding to a campaign to landlock your province by landlocking your province?" Because exactly. that's exactly what separatism would do. Well, it's going to be a very interesting uh, months ahead and we'll be back next week with more of it. Thank you. Thanks.